Untold Stories in Learning and Development is an all-new podcast shining a light on the learning professionals you haven't heard of. Hosted by Chief Learning Strategist at Easy Generator, Casper Spiro, each episode introduces a new learning professional to explore how they're making waves in the industry in their own ways. Join us for a new story every week. Welcome to another episode of uh, Unstalled Stories in uh, Learning and Development. And today I have a very special guest uh, with me. It's Stella Lee. So, hi Stella. Welcome to hi, the Casper. podcast. So maybe Thank we can you for having me. Yeah, ha- really happy there. So maybe we can start out uh, by uh, well doing a short introduction from your side. Uh, can you tell me something about you? Yeah, happy to. Um, so my name is Stella Lee. I'm based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So Canadian. Um, I have about twenty plus years of experience in L&D um, at tech, particularly. Um, I started out in the academic world as a, well, my academic background, actually, I started out as a painter, as, a, as an artist. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. It's, That's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite an, in- yeah. And um, that was my first love, still my love. Um, and then I ended up having a, a PhD in computer science, focusing on um, learning technologies. So um, that's my journey. And I, um, started working in academia, primarily in education technology. How do we use technology to enable teaching and learning? How do we um, help teachers and students and uh, and the community to um, to to learn better and to empower them with tech? Right. Um, so after I got my PhD, I promptly left academia and went into corporate learning because I was curious about. What's, what's the other side? Um, and after a few years of working full time, I decided that I would be better off doing consulting. Um, so I started my own consulting company about eight years ago, um, consult uh, internationally. Uh, a lot of my clients are larger um, public sector governments and, and private multinationals. Um, on the other side, I, I also work with startups. I, I consult in the ed tech space, uh, working with startups and to help advise on product development, to advise on user experiences, as well as um, just um, product roadmaps. So um, okay. so that's why I'm at. Yeah. Interesting. And, and so uh, the, the switch that you sort of made, so so yeah. what is it? Why did you make the switch? What is it? What, 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 what you want to achieve? What is, what is your interest there? Is it tech? Is it uh, education? Uh, oh, like when when you say switch, like when I was in academia, switch to corporate, or when I switched? No, my, maybe um, the first choice for uh, yeah. to go into the the, the learning world uh, as a first step. So, what was the the, the motivation? Right. There? Um, I think I'm always a lifelong learner. I I I felt like that's just very much who I am. Um, I grew up with a my dad is the perfect model. He is a lifelong learner. He's always curious about things and he's always, always learning. Um, so I got it from him. I, I just think um, that's that's part of who I am. I just didn't know when I was younger how I could make a living out of it. I just like, okay, I, I love to learn. I love schools. Um, I like to help people. Um, I, I like to facilitate learning. I And I also always love using technology and gadgets and tinkering um and somehow it, it all fit um as i started out um working as i 
even as a student, I, I would work in the lab and I would help people um, to use technology um, in, in the lab. And, and so it was a natural progression once I started working. Um, I started, and, and at the time it was when e-learning and, and teaching with tech was the big thing. It was the next big thing. Um, and so I ended up getting a job at a university um, helping faculty to develop the tech skills for learning and helping building uh, online curriculum. And, and so it was the right place okay. at the right time. And it just go from there. Okay. I understand that. And, and um, so, and, and uh, the, how do you weigh like the, the, the educational component versus the technical component? So how much of you is, is like tech driven and how much is like education driven or is that like balanced? Oh, this is a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, th I think um, it's like the Venn diagram, you know, the three circles. Yeah. I, I think my whole um, guiding principle, it's always the intersection of the three circles. Um, the first one, obviously, is educational pedagogy, right? Or learning. Right. Yeah. And then the second circle is the tech component. And a third intersecting circle is because I came from the arts. I, I came from, you know, design. I, it's it's the design component. Um, so um, okay. in and you're sort in of the, 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 the sweet spot experience. of the tree. Yes, exactly. Where it where they all three intersect, it's, it's where the happy spot is, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. So I guess thirty three point three percent for each one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was just curious to sort of uh, where drive comes from because uh, yeah. uh, we always talked about a specific topic, and the topic you chose uh, is attack ethics, and I'm right. in attack myself. So Easy Generator is an attack company, and I actually, to be frank, never thought about attack ethics. So I'm really <laughs> curious to start that off. So. What what is your definition of that? What what is it? Yeah, um, Kessler, can I just kind of um, backtrack for a minute when you yeah. ask me like what component of, of tech and what component of uh, you know learning you place your values? To to me, my biggest um, pet peeve is to see companies that are driven by tech only, or or you know uh, put so much emphasis in tech. Um, when we should be thinking about the learners and the learning, right? So what what drives me when I look at tech and when I look at um, projects that I work with, when I give advice, I'm always looking at that first, is what kind of, what kind of learning theory is your technology grounded on? What kind of assumptions are you making about the learning process the learning experience and what assumptions are you making about your learners right and and that should be driving everything that you do so when you talk when you say oh i never heard about tech ethics and i'm curious about that to me it's 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 so closely connected because if you don't think about that then you really you're not thinking about your your, your target users, right? Um, well, so, it depends. So, so maybe maybe because I don't know the the, the definition of the word. So maybe if you explain yeah. it to me, uh, it, it well, I more I clear. really I, I I think it's a broad broad um, area. It it covers privacy um, issues. It it covers ac uh, access. It it covers um, any. Um, 
algorithmic biases. It, it covers um, uh, intellectual property. And, and so it, it's a broad range of um, topics that sits under the ethics um, mm. umbrella term. And I think what is, in, well, obviously when people think about ethics, oh, um, is the moral principle of doing what's right and what's wrong yeah, and you know, identifying that. But, but to me, um, in addition to a guiding principle, because we're dealing with tech, um, it should be a, a constant evolving um, awareness and reflection on what we do. Um, it, it, it needs to be an ongoing process. It's not like we look at the ethical implication at the beginning and that's it and we're done. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. As you collect data, as you grow your user base, um, you, you have to keep thinking and reflecting and integrating that practice constantly. So, so to me, it's this an ongoing reflection of what's, what's right, what's wrong, where the gray areas are from from access to privacy to biases to intellectual property and and many other um okay areas yeah. as well okay. so I'm, I'm trying to apply that to, to to our own uh product and company so we we are an altering tool for for employees for subunit experts yeah yeah so for me what if i then would think about uh the the ethics of that that is really for example a uh, basic rule is indeed that all the content created uh, by those people, uh, it's of course their copyright. But even mm -hmm. at Easy Generator, we don't, although technically we could, we don't even have access to that content. So if you, for example, get stuck in a course and want to have support from our support team, you have to grant them our access to that content, otherwise they will not be able to reach it. Is that the kind of things you're talking about? Do we really strict in those rules and of course also the data that we store and how you handle that with privacy is that that that's the thing that i should that that that's one aspect of it but it's it's broader than that right to get you know okay so perhaps you you don't collect the data that are deemed personal or you don't store them you don't sell them which is good but it is that like a clear policy that you make it transparent to Correct. your end users. Yeah, because and we do store also, some data. Yeah. So, and we have yeah. a data privacy uh, uh, policy for that, indeed. Yeah. And to a greater extent is the fact that are you allowing your users to have control over it? Like, do you, do you give consent? Do, are, they, are they in control? Can they opt out? Um, those are part of you know, yeah, yeah. As but well, is, are, right? are you talking like the GDPR legislation we have in uh, in, in Europe and you have a separate uh, same thing basically in the States that, for example, one of the things is the right to be forgotten. So indeed, in these generator, we have a button yeah. that you can click as an as yeah. an uh, uh, author, yeah. and not only your content, but also everything that we ever stored on you, for example, support things, all that is deleted. So those are the things we're talking about then. Yeah, um, that could be one aspect of it. Um, also, when when you're creating a, a tool, right? Um, what kind of assumptions are you making about your users? Are you inadvertently excluding certain people? Are you um, are you creating some sort of assumptions about people that perhaps is not correct? Um, so, so those are things that you know. I think yeah tech creators also need to keep in mind. Um, 
are are you presuming like let's say if you're a video content learning content creation company uh, is the assumption that video based learning it's better um are you are you trying to tell people you know are you are you kind of influencing people subtly about certain things right um or are you excluding people um perhaps um cannot you know access the technology if the if they don't have a fast connection speed um what what are the implications on that are, are you being clear about wh- who you're excluding are you being clear on um providing accommodations or alternatives and it, okay. it could also touch on accessibility issues right yeah um, so it's not consciously like, excluding people but much more like making sure that the the the, the, uh, the access level uh, is yeah. really easy that, that's what you're talking yeah about. so okay. so th- so those are things that you know, perhaps people don't always consciously think about it. You know what I mean? Like, so I think tech ethic is important because it makes, first of all, it, it gives you that awareness of, you know, thinking through these problems more carefully or these issues more carefully and to say, yep, we, we address that. Yep. That that's cover. No, that's not what we mean. Um, we are excluding by intention because there's a reason for it. So, so those are, um, those are the topics that, that we talk about and it's it's always been like it tech ethics has been around for a long time at tech ethics also been around for a long time but i think what makes it more interesting now is that it's so ubiquitous right like our data is being collected like think about think about the smartphone that we use mm-hmm. just just that single device itself like how how many how many data points are being collected and 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 how many of that is being commercialized how many of that is being sold right um and and how and and people are not aware of it and what makes it dangerous it's also it's not just one dimensional data it's not just like in my phone but also could be in a smart home like a thermostat it could be in my alarm system it could be everything else is integrated and at work as well. Like there's so many work productivity tools that are tracking you now. And, and I think now it's worse since, since COVID because people had to work at home. And so companies is always um, a little bit paranoid about all oh, your people working at home. Are they actually really working? So let's track them. So the, the sales of surveillance tools actually went up. I think the first, two or three months of COVID, like 2020, March, April, and May, the sales went up the roof for mm-hmm. surveillance tools. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's a very timely topic as well. Um, yeah, I agree with you. So uh, we, of course, in East Generator had this sort of the same experience. We, we are already a remote company in, in the way that we yeah. do have offices and people work there. They also yeah. work from home. But all the whole sales process, everything you do is online because our customers are all over the world. So we don't yeah. go there. So, so the whole sales process is online. So for us, when COVID hit and we had to close the office with the first lockdown, so everybody just took his laptop and went home for the next Monday. But we actually saw <laughs> productivity rising for 20%. But I think that is, and I never ever thought uh, to uh, to install any surveillance, but, that's, but we also, we, re, we are really output driven. So we look at yeah. the, the, the results people make. So I don't really... I'm not interested in are they online, how much time do they make as long as they 
reach their goals uh, within the, the the boundaries that we set for that, then then I, I would be happy. So, but that is not like a common yeah. thing. That that's because you get it right. Because that's because you have trust in your employees, and that's because you're output driven, and you don't care if they, you know, if if somebody take a thirty minute break, you're not tracking that uh, as long as they completed the projects. Um, yeah. And it right. as it should be, but that's. Uh, that takes a shift in mindsets in some organizations, right? It's a very, um, it's very organizational based, depending on the culture. Um, it, it's you know some industries too are much more traditional in their thinking. Um, I, I think you naturally being in a tech startup uh, already, you're already ahead um, in in terms of thinking. You know how how you're gonna. Um, managed and, and lead people remotely. Um, but so many, so many companies don't have that experience. No, no, I can imagine that. Yeah. No, I, I, I was aware that we were on like having a net on, on a lot of other companies because we're already like halfway there when yeah. COVID happened. But um, so, and, and if you look at that, the, are there specific areas where you are concerned so you you mentioned a couple of things where where uh, you are sort of focusing with a specific concern we think that things are not going in the right direction or do you see in general an improvement um there, there are many concerns and challenges especially now you 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 see so many products that are ai or machine learning driven and that complicates the issue as well because um, that means there's more data there's more data sets available that means it's you know it's it's taking in a large volume of data but it's also spitting out large volumes of data and um, and there are lots of biases in well how do you feed you know where do you feed the data from um, to to an algorithm uh, for example um, when you're um, trying to feed uh, learning data from a data set, a training data set that are from a department that's traditionally more um, male than female, perhaps you didn't think consciously that you're feeding data that are more biased from a gender perspective. Or if you're feeding data from a department whereby traditionally have more older people or more younger people, you're also feeding data that is not representational of all age groups, right? But you don't always think about that. Um, you know, like, um, I think was it Amazon that, that used a, um, a hiring, a recruitment tool, and it discriminates against women, right? Um, okay. But they didn't know that uh, until they start running through the system. And they would, um, they realized there's, the algorithm is picking out works that are deemed um, feminine in quality, and it gives a lower ranking. Oh wow! So yeah, and 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 there are many many examples of that out there. Um, that like even even Google image recognition um, had a hard time recognizing people of colors. Um, facial recognition is a technology that's particularly problematic, right? If you're a woman of African descent, the error rate is like 30% plus, as opposed to if you're a white male with light skin, the error rate is, I think, maybe 
three percent, five percent. Oh wow! So it's there's a significant difference, right? Oh, that, that's really um, interesting. But th- yeah. would it then would you then see a role? So it's not that people have like the wrong intentions with attack, but they're just not aware of things going wrong. Is that that that's your role to make the companies aware of? They, wait a minute. So you think you they, are making a proper selection, but you are not. Well, I mean, sometimes they're. I mean, yeah, a lot of them it's, it's unconscious, right? Biases, but they, they they could be conscious biases too. Um, and it's a combination of things, right? You you get the these kind of biases of sourcing data that you didn't know it's bias, um, or um, it could be something that's happening in the algorithm that it becomes more biased. For example, when you are using a recommendation system. Um, yeah. like any, any of the learning uh, experience platforms when you're recommending content, um, it it creates a positive feedback loop. So if it's something yeah. that people use often, it gets ranked higher. But then there's no way of kind of opening the algorithm to say, well, That's is there something different. missing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're creating well, like your bubble based on the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's like your own echo chamber, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. we just feed you more of the same thing that you like. But in learning, you don't want to always make it easy for people. You don't want to just feed people more of the things that they're good at or so they, you want that to go they outside like. the box every now and then. Yeah, or you want to challenge them or you want to have something that's more serendipitous. You know, like it's like when you, when you go shopping, you end up buying things you didn't think you were going to buy but you chanced upon something because you see it yeah. and it reminded you of something else okay. it's that serendipity that that is not happening um in fact it, it it almost trying to exclude that as you give more feedback to the system right. so, so it's being so, ma- making things transparent being aware of things so I spoke the other day to somebody who said yeah. uh, about biases. So we're all biased. So if you tell you're not biased, it's not true. The only thing that you can do is be aware of that Absolutely. and deal Absolutely. with it in the proper way. So that's basically what you're telling me as well. Yeah. And, and I think that the perception it's, um, it's that people think, oh, technology is not biased because it's, a, a, you know, it's it a neutral. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But it's not true because who built them? Humans, right? And we built uh, assumptions into them so i think um so i think that's why it's 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 not so much concerning but i think it's more about well we need to know um we need to have that level of awareness before we can actually do something about it um so yeah like sometimes and, and also on top of that there's also human errors that that we might not intentionally do something wrong but you might mislabel something don't forget with ai for example when you do classification it's actually a very manual process right humans have to label things mm-hmm. so you can make mistakes too yeah absolutely and i'm great at that so <laughs> like yeah me too right like when you get tired you know you don't pay attention you put a typo in there you forgot to enter something there's an empty yeah. field so all of that would also have an impact. And I think what makes it more challenging now is like, it's not so easy to spot them because it's, you know, it's not transparent. Like when you feed it to an algorithm, you may feed it to um, like a machine learning um, process. Like it's not always easy to like 
kind of open this black box and say, oh, hang on a minute, it's it's this step, you know, like it, you can't always pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think that's um, that's problematic. And also when it gets to your end users, when it gets wrong, when it gets things wrong, when you like make a wrong recommendation or when it makes wrong predictions or assumptions, it, it could demotivate people. It could demotivate people from learning. Um, there's a lot of predictive learning analytics, right? To kind of predict your success rate or your risk factors. Like, yeah. is this employee at risk of, you know, disengaging from work? What if you get it wrong? Then you're, you're essentially accusing people of things that they, you know, they're not doing or haven't done yet. So... Yeah, so you have to be yeah. very careful. And there's a lot of that um, um, agile technologies out there. Um, even Microsoft has like a um, productivity score that, that came out a couple of years ago and it got huge pushback. So they had to, because um, they, they, were, they were reviewing productivity scores at an individual levels that their manager can see that. They basically mm-hmm. to track you and say, you're spending 30% of your day today replying emails. So, but it's not giving you contacts, right? Like what, like perhaps it's a day you need to do that because it's the emergency uh, happening, but it's not giving you the nuances. It's not giving you the story no, behind that. it's just to the data on CFS. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting so, because um, I'm sort of, you yeah. make me think because I never looked at easy generator or tool from that perspective. So I think, what we want, we, we, we want to, to empower people to work. But I never thought about the fact, are we biased in a way and will that have impact on what kind of people are attracted to the tool? So, yeah, that, I really should look into that because I don't have a clue, to be frank. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I think, like, thing you, you look at your user base, like, you know, are, are they, they're self-selecting themselves too, right? They, 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 they are drawn to your tool because perhaps they are more visually inclined people already. Um, and, and so what, you know, what does that say about the tool? Did they give you feedback to say, oh, we want more visuals, but you're reinforcing the same thing from the same people that are giving you feedback, but perhaps you're missing out on other perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I do know that yeah. we were, uh, a couple of years ago, we were really uh, not paying attention to accessibility. That was really not yeah. uh, on par. So that's something that we really yeah. upped our game with and also sort of opened my eyes on how diverse that issue by itself already is. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. And yeah. even just like when you're trying to um, do business globally, there's, there's also cultural differences, right? Like like color is highly culturally dependent. Um, so even just to have that awareness, um, not so much is unethical, but I think it's just being inclusive and and I I would classify that as an ethical topic. You know how to be more inclusive. How do you um, think not just from your perspective with your lens, but also to kind of get out of your your view and look at how other people see. Um, yeah. How, how does people see the world, right? And 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 to That's say, to okay, that. is yeah. my product is my product. Um, it's it's making assumptions about people that are that are you that only using it from from Europe and North America, but not from other parts of the world. You know. Yeah, correct. 
Okay. Like, because so, I I'm I'm doing a project uh, currently with the Asian Development Bank, so essentially the World Bank, but focusing on the Asian region. And one of the big topic that, that comes up all the time is like, um, you know, a lot of the ad tech products are very European and North American centric, and it might not be applicable to the region because depending on the maturity level of the country, um, from a tech and from a ad tech perspective, they might not able to use it because um, does it work offline? Mm-hmm. Um, do you need to have a fast internet access? Are you making assumptions about learning in a very Western perspective? So, so there's a lot of um, products that we reveal and we have to say, we have to put caveats because we're uh, advising uh, Ministry of Education in the region. So we have to say, okay, these are some products. There's some good examples of ad tech out there. Uh, but this one, perhaps um, the terminologies are very North American focused. So pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Or, or or the way they go about you know, designing learning has certain assumptions that might not apply to your country. So Yeah, no, I totally can see that. Uh, that, that, that that's very clear to me. Okay, uh, time-wise, we need to go to the to the next topic. Otherwise, we are running running really late. So, I just want to pick <laughs> your brain on a couple of things. How you look at corporate learning in, in general? So, so what do you think in your mind? What is the biggest milestone in corporate learning that we we reached so far? Um, I think in corporate learning, I think we we get to your point. Did there's some maturity about understanding and appreciating? Um, different types of learning. I think, I think we kind of got past the learning is a, a one-off event in a classroom. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's been the thinking for a very long time. Um, I, I think that's, that's been, I, I think recently there's a little bit more diversity in thinking about what learning entails. And it's not just a classroom, an one event. Time thing, yeah a workshop, but, but also incorporating the richness of what's happening as an, within the organization, what, what's happening informally, what has, what's happening socially, um, how a knowledge being transferred, how, how they, how is it being shared? Um, so looking at it from a more holistic way, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We still have a long way to go, but I think, I start hearing a lot more conversations on that, right? I start hearing people talk right. about the, the ecosystem. Um, so I think we kind of hit a milestone there. Um, I think L&D as a department also um, are becoming more consultative in, in nature and in, in more integrated with the business instead of just thinking this is the silo yeah, yeah, correct. and, and, and I think they, I think we get to this point where we're able to push back a little bit. Um, cause historically other departments and other people come and say, we need a course, we need a training on this topic. And it's really prescriptive and it's, it's, it's driven by other places. And I think L and D lacks the confidence to say, hang on a minute. Yeah. Um, what's the problem here? What are we going to say? Yeah, yeah. Like why, why do you want a course on that? Right. Yeah. Is, is this even helping? Uh, or is this, like I like to say, the first question you should ask is, is this a problem that learning can solve? Or is this a problem that some other things need to yeah. be involved? Like, because sometimes it's, a, it's an issue of communication. It's not a learning problem. Um, so I think we 
have built up a bit more of that confidence in consulting across the business more more broadly. Okay. Is that then also one of the challenges you'd see for corporate learning to to grow further in that, to be like more like a critical on, on those kind of things and much more on, on, on the results of, of, of learning and instead of just creating something? Well, Casper, I don't think we have time to talk about all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, that definitely, I, I think... Um, like challenges also the, the changing role of, of L&D, right? Um, I think every every year and more pressing the past two years is how do we upskill and retrain, right? Um, do we need to be a coach? Do we need to be a facilitator? Do we need to be a mentor? Do we need to be e-learning content creation creator? Do we need to now also be data analysts? Do we need to you know, be an ad tech specialist, like there's just so many, um, so many buckets of, of, of special, you know, of, of areas of, of specialty now. Um, I, I see that um, it's, it's either going to go two ways. I think I will see some of the L&D professional would be more of a generalist. So kind of consulting at a broader level. Um, and then some of them would become more niche focused, right? And so more some of them would... like data and exactly yeah but but exactly. what, I, what i hear you say or maybe well, tech ethics ethicists you know yeah 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 <laughs> but at the same time it's also sort of like a change from like a, a bottom-up approach uh to more a uh, sorry top-down approach much more into a bottom-up approach uh, from a controlling perspective into a facilitating perspective is that correct I think so. It's more distributed and more grassroots um, as well. Um, I mean, I'm speaking very, very broadly, um, but yeah, I I think mm-hmm. um, it, it depending on how big the organization is, the, the culture and everything else. But I, I think you have to come up with something that works for the organization as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and and if you uh, take that forward, so five years from now, where will we be with corporate learning? What is uh... How will that look? What is the, the biggest change from five, now and then? Five years? That's it's like a light <laughs> year, I know. <laughs> you, you're, you're in tech as well. How can we talk about five years? <laughs> six six months. Um, well, I, I see it being more personalized. Um, I, I think it needs to be more personalized. Um, okay. And... And I think, um, like I already talked about, it's more niche focused. Um, and I think it needs to be a little bit more balanced approach as well. It, it's it's not just looking at. Um, it's, again, I think I think this whole ecosystem it's 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 going to continue to develop, and it's going to continue to to plug in and connect to different areas of, of business. So I can see that. Um, continue to evolve uh, that way as well. And who knows about tech? I think, I think tech would always change, but I think, you know, that's getting back to your early question about like, we still have to think about what's, what's driving this field, right? What's, what, what are your values and where do you place your, your emphasis? And to me, it's always back to that Venn diagram of how do you balance the three um, yeah. while, uh, while, putting your learner at, at the center of it, putting your, your people at, at the center of it. Um, but that also increases your problem because if you want to make it more personal, put in learning at the center, it's all about data. So then the, the whole 
ethics story becomes even more relevant, of course, because you have to track more Absolutely. data in order to advise somebody on a personal level. Absolutely. So it's the balance, right? I think there's, there's going to be tension um, all around. And, and I think our challenge is you also like, how do you balance this tension? And as things get more complex, as its tools get more sophisticated, um, I, I think it, it, I think it's a, a great problem to have. I think it's a very exciting time that we lived in like like look at the, the range of tools we have available look yeah. at look at look at the target people that go into L&D I think I think like having that that diversity of people coming in it's it's also going to bring like uh, some new blood that would bring in different perspectives yeah totally understand that okay so to to, to sort of bring this to uh, an, an end I have two final questions for you so Sure. Who is your ultimate learning hero? You have somebody we all should look up to. Oh, I got so many of them. But uh, recently, I really like um, uh, Dr. Ruha Benjamin. She's a professor in, I think, sociology at Columbia University. And she's not like a learning focus hero, but she talks about race and technology and how it's, you know, shapes the world and her book is on race after technology i highly recommend it okay and, and what do you know the title of that book race after technology okay okay that's interesting yeah. oh, that's a new yeah. one for me because well basically it already touches on my second question is there a book we should read or a blog we should go would that be the book uh, you recommend all of us to read i definitely would Okay. <laughs> interesting. I I will because uh, that's uh, that's a new one for me. That sounds like an interesting, like a different angle uh, that can sort of shed new lights on things that we're working on. So that that sounds yeah. I often um I often like to look outside a learning field um to to inform my practice and my research. Uh, I like to bring in different. Um, I think sociology is very relevant. I think psychology is very relevant. I I think um, policy is very relevant. Um, so I think, you know, I like to look outside of, of L&D in terms of looking at heroes, aspirations, uh, new learnings. I, I think that's, um, that helped push the envelope in, in our yeah. field. Well, that, that's a good lesson by itself. Yeah. Well, thank you for yeah, that. And absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. So. Of course. Now, now I feel like I want to interview you and ask you the same questions. Okay, well, maybe we can do that another time. That would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Easy Generator, an easy to use authoring tool for subject matter experts. At Easy Generator, we want to empower employees in the business to capture and share their knowledge. How do we do it? By designing an intuitive and simple platform that anyone can use to create learning content for their organizations. To learn more, visit us at easygenerator.com.